0: On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse, we talk with an abuse survivor named Daphne. And Daphne was in a toxic relationship with a victim playing abuser. It's a story of scapegoats, generational trauma, preying on guilt, and postpartum depression. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, everyone. I am Brandon Chadwick, and with me today, I have Daphne. How are you?
1: Hey, Brandon. I'm doing good. How are you doing today?
0: I am doing well. Thank you for asking. And before we get to your story, for people that want to share their stories like Daphne is today... Please do send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com with your story, or you can go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com and click on the guest form button. Uh, at the top of the page. So for those of you that want to be a guest on our show, we're looking for more stories. So please do send those in. And when it comes to Daphne's story, Daphne was in a two year relationship with a victim playing abuser and Daphne had to endure physical abuse emotional abuse, and eventually you had postpartum uh, depression and were just this exhausted individual. You had to deal with a lot. And why I think your story is really interesting is we really get a, a good insight here into why maybe your partner at this time was who he was and Uh, you know the mom uh, from that side of the family plays a role constantly in this person's life he might have been a scapegoat in their life in his life which is part of the story but you know the mom is there and it's interesting to see how that dynamic works so I want to thank you for being here and sharing your story and now without further ado Daphne the floor is now yours
1: First of all, I just want to say thank you for having me on. Um, If I can just help one person, um, then I'm going to do that. So I really appreciate you having me on here. Um, So I grew up in a family of four. Um, I'm the oldest of two kids. I grew up in a small town. I have a younger brother. And, you know, it was a pretty, my childhood was pretty decent. Um, It was a lot of fun. But, you know, I did battle with a parent having narcissistic traits, which I didn't really realize until what I'm going through now. And I see the red flags now, you know, so, um, but I, I had a pretty normal childhood. I was very lucky. I'm very blessed to have the family that I have. I mean, it was pretty normal. I graduated from high school. I went to college, um, I moved out and, you know, got a job and lived on my own, and I've been doing that for, you know, the past 10 years, um, up until I met my ex, and that just really flipped my world upside down.
0: So going into your relationship with your ex, did you have any self-esteem issues or any sort of... Um codependency things going on were you a people pleaser in any way and what was i guess your life as far as dating before you went into relationship and what was your belief system about relationships going into it
1: as far as self esteem um I've never really had issues with that you know I've always been a firm believer in love yourself or no one else will but as far as you know friendships and relationships it was always rocky for me um I always chose the wrong people I want to say you know had the edgy side I was definitely a fixer I've always been a fixer I just pick out people who need help So I think I can fix them and make their life better. And then they ended up bringing me down. So I do believe in relationships. I mean, I think it would be nice to have a healthy one, but I just don't know what that looks like at this point in my life. So I met him through Facebook. You know, I was just, I was single. I was happy. I had a good job. I had a nice dog in my nice apartment, Um, just minding my own business, you know, and I'm going through Facebook and I come across his profile, you know, people you might know. And I get on there and I'm just thumbing through his photos and I'm like, oh, he's really cute. Oh, he went to a Catholic high school. Oh, he played sports. You know, there's all these pictures of him with his family on here. He's probably really family oriented. So I liked his photos and then he ended up messaging. He found my Instagram through my Facebook and he ended up messaging me, you know, wow, you're so beautiful. Your modeling pictures are so great. I'd like to get to know you more. How can I do that? And it just went spiraled from there, you know, about, four days later we met, I think we started messaging on like July 3rd. And by the 7th, we were hanging out.
0: And before we continue, I just want to interject right here. I'm sure a lot of people right now are thinking that you're this white woman from the South, but you are, you're American, but you are from Middle Eastern uh, heritage and you have olive color complexion, and you grew up in a small uh, town in uh, the, I guess, the southern part of or Midwest part of America. And uh, you grew up Catholic, so it's not something people expect of Middle Eastern culture in in the United States. And I just want to kind of clear that up for everyone who might think you're one thing, um, or, or, or kind of paint a picture of who you are. But you know, growing up in um a smaller town in the United States when you're middle Eastern isn't always a, an easy thing
1: yeah I am i'm mixed mixed my great grandparents came from came here from the Middle East. I'm like third generation, but I am mixed, yeah, I grew up Catholic, my mom and my dad both Catholic I mean I went to Catholic school all the way up until high school I practiced i mean it was shoved down my throat, you know so Hard, hard Catholic. Yeah.
0: So uh, I interrupted you there. So you, um, you know, you went down that hole and he's complimenting you. And then what happens?
1: So, you know, I tell my friends about him and my girlfriend that I had at the time. She's like, oh, yeah, I know him. We went to college together. He was always really nice to me, you know, body, body. So we all get together and I meet him. And, you know, the first time we met was with a group of friends and at the lake. We were all at the lake having a good time. And he was really nice to me. You know, we just hit it off immediately. Um, we hit it off so fast that he was at my place that night staying with me. and. I just remember he was really nice to me. You know, he didn't try any of the guy things that guys do. You know, he didn't try to have sex with me or take advantage of me when we were drinking or any of that. I mean, he was extremely polite and respectful. And so he stayed with me that night. And then we lived in two different cities. We lived about 45 minutes away from each other. He was living with his parents at the time. Um, he told me that he had a job and um, that he was just having a hard time. And um, he just started telling me about his life, like his mom wasn't nice to him and she never listened to him. And this is how he kind of wrote me in. And his his grandpa was dying of cancer and he just sank his teeth into me by getting me to feel sorry for him and playing that victim. Um, just uh, what was me? I can't, I can't make it in life, you know? Um, so that's how he kind of wrote me and wrote me in. And, you know, back then I was a fixer. So I'm like, in my head, I'm going to help this guy. I'm going to get him out. I'm going to get him in his own place I'm going to help him, you know, maybe go back to school because he dropped out of college. Um, all that stuff. I'm going to help him and his mom. Maybe she's not as bad as he says she is. Just that kind of thing. So he just, he he loves sports and I love sports too. That's what I do for a living. Um, and, you know, the Catholic thing, family oriented. He just, he was a whole package. He really was. And. Other than living at home with his parents, which was a downfall for me at the time. He was everything that I wanted, that I thought I wanted. Family man. So um, I think that August, September, like two months into our relationship, his grandpa died. And so I think that we kind of had that bond going, you know, that I was there for him when his very first grandparent passed away. You know, um, I already had three grandparents that passed away at that time, so I understood what it felt like and and he I, he we just bonded over that and we did everything together. Um we went to the zoo, he stayed in my house all the time. You know, it was his birthday within a couple of weeks of his dating, so we went out for that and you know, he was showing me off in public and I don't know if there was just one event, it just kind of snowballed into all this and it happened so fast that I was just struck and I didn't have I didn't stop to think like is this healthy what am I doing you know then some weird things started to happen like I'll never forget the time uh, we we weren't living together but we we just started talking kind of and he was facetiming me and he was at his parents and he was sick he had like a cold he was coughing whatever and you know we were facetiming and she overheard it and you know I'm on the other end saying are you okay do you need me to come there do you need me to help you take care of you what do you need and she's in the background saying who is that who are you talking to you don't need a girl to take care of you that's what I'm for so I mean that kind of happened and then about a month into our relationship, we were about to go to the zoo, and I went through his phone because it was blown up. And he's on Instagram, Facebook, texting all these girls, you know, just entertaining women. I mean, there was nothing in there that was like, hey, come over, you know, physical proof that he was cheating on me. But And then he lost his job. He didn't have a job. Um, so I was paying for everything, everything that we did in those first 10 months, I paid for everything. He moved in with me. Um, we just started to argue about, you know, he's cyber cheating, the infidelity online, all these things. And, and we argue constantly about him not having a job because I would go to work from eight to five, six, come home. You know, groceries, cook, take care of the dog, and he'd be sitting at home playing PlayStation, sleeping, doing nothing all day. Argued about that constantly. So, between, you know, the infidelity online, um, him living with me and not paying any of the bills, no rent, n- nothing. So, that's just where it kind of went bad as far as in the beginning. So, you know, from about August to April, he didn't have a job. And I was starting to go broke. He made me get another job, an online job, selling hair products. I mean, I was working, I was going crazy, trying to, he was abusing me financially. Like, he would go grocery shopping and take my cars, just things like that. And when we started to argue constantly you know, it would turn into, like, stonewalling. Like, he would up and leave, and I'd be crying in bed. Like, why are you doing this to me? Why are you cheating on me? Why aren't you trying to get a job? And he would just up and leave, wouldn't talk to me for two or three days. Just stonewall me. Um, And then it got to the point where it got physical. Um, I would try to leave my own apartment to get away from him. And he would physically, you know, shove me into the wall and take my keys away from me. So I couldn't leave my apartment because I couldn't get couldn't get back in. I couldn't leave because I couldn't get into my car. I didn't have my keys or hide in the bathroom. I would lock myself in the bathroom to just get away from him. I mean, and he just verbally abused me all the time. He doesn't stop talking. You can't get a word in edgewise. Um He's still like that to this day. Just nonstop. I mean, he would say things to me like, You're, You look like a melted ice cream cone, like indicating that I'm out of shape. I need to go to the gym. You know, um, I'm like, Here I am, a model. I have to be camera ready at all times um he always had to go with me to all my photo shoots every single one of my photo shoots he had to be there couldn't go by myself anymore it got to this point where I started putting him in front of the camera you know like do you want to do a shoot he'll shoot you today go ahead and then just I started being isolated from my family I never went home anymore he never wanted to come to my small hometown Never wanted to be around my family. So I just got really isolated from my friends and my family at that point. I never went out and did anything. But then he would get mad at me if I went out and did something, you know. But he was out doing who knows what all those times we fought. and He would just up and leave me. He had a gambling issue, always at the casino. But I don't know where he's getting this money from at all. So... It was just the first, you know, six months were like that. And then I just got to the point where I sat in my room most of the night after I got off work. I would come home, I would eat my dinner, and I would sit there and watch Netflix till you know, I fell asleep. And I would get up and do it again. And then he started convincing me that I was mentally ill. He's like, you're depressed. All you do is sit here you don't do anything. You're sad all the time. You're lazy. And I'm like, all right. He's like, you need to get help. I mean, and so I did, I went, got help, you know, put on medication. I got my brain scanned. Like I was just convinced that I was mentally ill. And so that happened the first, there was just so many things like happened in the first six months that were insane. Like when his grandpa died, um, were
0: you going to say something? Uh, yeah, I just wanted to say we're six months in here. You had a very short courting period. You are now living together. The good times are gone pretty quick. And you're being devalued. You are, well, you're caretaking a lot Here. You're working two jobs. This person isn't working. They're nitpicking you. And now they're telling you that you're the one with a mental issue. You believe what they're saying.
1: Definitely. um, I definitely started believing him. I mean, sometimes to this day, I still second guess myself. I second guess myself with everything. Well, maybe I do need to go to the gym. You know, maybe. I do look like a melted ice cream cone. Um, And I remember I used to think to myself, I wish I could be like him. He's always happy. Nothing ever bothers him. Um, Life's just one big joke. It's a game and everything's fine. And I just remember thinking to myself, why am I like this? Why am I so sad all the time? And he's always so happy but looking back he's miserable there were so many things that he did that like he he fakes committing suicide after his grandpa died um you know he he would just fly off the handles and get drunk and send me nasty things and and now that I look back, I'm like, why did I think that about myself? But he was just projecting how he really feels about himself onto me. Because he knows that I'm actually, you know, successful. I actually had 3 jobs at the time if you count like, count modeling and he's intimidated by me. He's scared of me and he wants to suck that from me. He wants to take that away from me. Because he's looking for that for himself.
0: So all of these things are going on and, uh, you know, we're here at the six month mark and what happens from here?
1: You know, we, by this time it's like new year's and we, I mean, he does these things like treats me like crap and then he takes me to Denver and we have a nice new year's there. But I pay for the whole thing, you know, and, Um, I just remember he made me stop talking to my, my very best friend because like six years, seven years prior, we dated for like two months. So we just decided, you know, we're better off as friends. Let's not do that anymore. And I had been friends with, he's still my best friend to this day. We're still best friends, but I I had to cut him out. Otherwise I would have. We would have broken up, and I would have lost him, you know. So that month, I lost my best friend, and then that's when the abuse really started. Um, I just remember, you know, but I met his parents really early on. I met them like three weeks into the relationship, and um, his mom, she hates me. She's hated me for as long as I can remember. I would try to have conversations with her, and she just wouldn't even talk to me. Um, I would walk into their house. She wouldn't say, you know, when you walk into somebody's house, you're usually dressed. Hey, hi, how are you? Nothing. Um, she runs the house. She is a narcissist too. And she's a dictator big time. So that's where he gets that from. Um, but they argue all the time. We argued all the time about why don't I get along with her? Why doesn't she talk to me? You know, and there was a couple of times where I, I tried to have a heart to heart with her and you know she even admitted that because I told her I said you know we've been dating for 9-10 months and he doesn't have a job he won't find a job I've got him two or three great jobs where I live and he's quit them all from with some excuse um, so that kept going on his mom just she even said that He's a liar, one of his qualities is that one of his bad qualities is that he can't tell the truth. He never tells the truth, so his own mom even says that he's a liar, um but the abuse just got really bad. I just remember there was this one night in particular that was the worst of them all for sure. um It was the end of January, and you know there's probably a good foot of snow on the ground, if not more um We were. We were at his parents that weekend because they were gone um, out of town. And so he um, had to rough a basketball game. And, you know, he said, let's go out after I'm done with my game here. We started to get ready that night at his parents. And I just remember like getting ready and thinking to myself, like, I don't like the way I look. Like, do we have to go? Like, I just don't want to go anymore. Like, I just, I I was so down about myself and hated the way I looked at that point that I didn't want to go out in public. I was ashamed. And we got into an argument. And I just remember he pushed me and I hit my head on the hardwood floor. And when I, I, I like it out almost black, it was, it was white. Everything was white, blacked out probably. Um, When I came to, his foot was on my face. Like my face is laying sideways on the floor and he, he has one foot on my face and he's leaning over me. Just, I don't remember what he was saying. but He was just talking shit to me, just degrading me, you know. And then when I finally escaped, I ran and he pushed me into an end table and I ended up you know, hitting my ribs on the table, Uh, my ribs are bruised all the way around, and when I finally got away from him, I was running, it was freezing, freezing out, and I'm running through neighborhoods, neighborhoods, and all these backyards, and I don't know where I'm at, you know, because I just got my ass beat, you know, so, it was scary. Like, I'm just running away from him. And and then I just see him driving back and forth. I'm hiding behind these houses in these neighborhoods. And he's driving around the neighborhoods back and forth, yelling for me. Like, where the fuck are you? That's what he's saying. Stuff like that. Um, and then I don't. I was just frantic. I was so frantic. I didn't, I was, it was fight or flight. You know, I'm running. And I just remember he found me and grabbed me. And he shoved me back in the car. The whole time, he's on the phone with his best friend, I think, telling him, his friend, like, I'm a crazy bitch. This bitch did it again. Um, I hate her. Why is she like this? You know, just all I listened to him talk to him like I wasn't even sitting there next to him at all after he just beat me up. And then he takes me to my apartment and he goes inside and he steals all my stuff. He steals my PlayStation. Um, He steals my big speaker that I have. I mean, he just, he steals everything and he leaps. I I can hear I'm hiding in my apartment basement in the laundry room from him, hiding, waiting for him to leave. And then he finally leaves and, you know, I call my best friend that I'm not allowed to have and he I, he's like, come over, it'll be fine, like I'll help you out. And so that happened and I think about a week went by, you know, and then it was Valentine's Day. So he he we didn't talk for about a week probably, and he just he hoovered me right back in. You know, I'm sorry what I did to you. It's Valentine's Day. Let me make it up to you, you know so I went back to him,
0: so what are you telling yourself uh after after this you go back uh you know are you saying to yourself, uh, he won't do this again i can maybe I can change him uh what are the, I guess the factors that are that are You know, besides his love bombing, are there things that are being promised or anything like that?
1: Um, I blamed it on myself. You know, I just said to myself, it's my fault. I'm the one who didn't want to go off that night. I'm the one who started the argument. I'm the one who ran from him. I deserve it. Like, it's my fault. I was in denial, too. Big-time denial because... When you love someone so much and then they show you who they really are, it's the hardest thing on the planet to accept, in my opinion. Um, One of the hardest things to accept. So I just, I denied, I was in total denial. And, you know, I just, I felt guilty for leaving him because, you know, sob story that he always gave me, you know, woe is me, I'm the victim. So. I th- I, that's why I always came back. I was just in such denial and everything was always my fault. If I wouldn't have done this, then he wouldn't have done that. If I wouldn't have done that, then he wouldn't have done this. So it was just always my fault. That's why I always came back, I think.
0: So now you're back in the relationship with him. And what happens from here?
1: we are like, okay, we got to work this out. We have to do this right this time. Like th- that can't happen again. We can't do that. And so he gets this job where I'm living. It's an overnight job at a grocery store. So our schedules are totally flip flop and he's working nights and working days. Like, and I'm not really seeing him that much. And now that I look back, I'm just like, were you even at work or who were you out met? What were you do- like? I don't know who you are at this point. I don't know. So he's working this overnight shift. And then he convinces me, you know, well, I just, I don't like my job. I think that it would be easier for me to get a job where I'm from in my hometown and it easier for me to get a job there. I'm like, okay, what do I got to do to make this work? So I, Put my two weeks in at my nice job. I still continue my online business. And by this time, I've totally quit modeling because he doesn't want me to do it anymore. Like I quit modeling for almost over a year. And so springtime rolls around, you know, it's probably March. Put my two weeks in. I give my 30-day notice to my apartment. And we're house hunting, we're house hunting. He's trying to find a job. You know, I find a job. I immediately find a job. Um, and he eventually finds a job, but he won't live in certain areas of town. Like, he just refuses to live in. It's like he wanted to live like crap. It's like he wanted to live in a crappy area, in a crappy home. With You know, every time I brought up a nice apartment or a nice home to him, no, I don't like it. No, we can't afford that. No, no, there's always some excuse. He wouldn't give it. He wouldn't give them his paychecks, his pay step. So from about, it was March, April, May, we're staying at his parents' house who, remember, don't like me. I totally uprooted my entire life just to accommodate his so he gets this job. He lives with his parents. And then I found out that I was pregnant. So I'm working I'm working this gig, this like springtime gig right now. I'm making really good money. And then they offered me a job after the gig's over. Hey, do you want to come work at this nice um, insurance place that we have? I'm like, yeah. So I'm set with a really good job. Um, and then, you know, before I found out, that I was pregnant. I, I broke up with him. Um, I break up with him and he can't handle it. He loses his mind. Um, he hacks all my social media, all my Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, hacks it all. Can't get into any of it. Um, he stalks me while I'm working, comes to work and bothers me, you know, Cussing at me, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? And I'm I'm freaking out at this point. Like my modeling career is my portfolio is my Instagram, you know, I was I was freaking out. So I I took him back again. And then and then six weeks later, I found out I was pregnant. The day I, th- I literally borderline fainted when I read the yes word on that pregnancy stick you know I fell out of my chair and, and he's all over there like, oh yes we're gonna have a baby you know I'm pregnant and then it was just it was a rough pregnancy um he was never there I just remember he just did crazy things like right after I found out I was pregnant we were at my parents for the holiday and we got into a huge fight because he wanted to leave so bad. He didn't want to be there anymore. I'm like, we just got here and we're arguing and he goes into the bathroom, locks himself in there and turns the water on the faucet. I can hear the faucet running, And then, you know, I'm like, let me in, just let me in. And He won't let me in, won't let let me in. And all of a sudden, I hear this big thud, like he fell down or hit his head or something. And then all of a sudden, I hear the door unlock, a little click. So I open the door, and here he is laying on the floor with a bathrobe belt. He took a belt from his bathrobe and tied it around his neck. And then his face is covered in water, and the bathroom sink is overflowing. So he's in there, like, trying to commit suicide, trying to drown himself and choke himself. But then later, I'm thinking, like, today, how can you drown and hang at the same time? And then the bathroom door just unlocks itself, like he's he try- he begs committing suicide so that he's never wrong because we always argued about these things like you know you're cheating on me. I caught him every three months, probably at least, you know in his phone talking to all these women I mean, and it was the weirdest thing too, like a full moon every month or something, and this monster would come out and he would freak out and take it out on me. I don't know what happened to him, but, and then, you know, here I am, probably almost two months pregnant. And I, we still don't have a house yet. I'm still living with my parents, driving back and forth. And then finally, you know, I start my new job that I was offered. We get this house and, he's like, we have to fix it up though. Like it's a hunk of crap. We have to fix it up. And I'm like, okay. So we go in there and we fix up the whole thing. And then they're like, no, you can't live here. We never told him that he could live here. I don't know where he got that. He just said, you know, that he was going to fix it up for us. So he lied to me about fixing up a house so he could get paid for fixing it. And here I am pregnant. Trying to paint, you know.
0: So these lies are continuing at this point. So how are you feeling?
1: Yeah, I definitely felt trapped by being pregnant. Um, you know, I was always taught, you know, you get yourself together, get married, and then have a baby. Um, I grew up with two parents he grew up with two parents um together they're they're both still together so I just had it in my head you know I have to stick it out with him because my kid needs both of her parents together so I was totally trapped totally and he knew that and he just did crazy stuff from then when I was pregnant
0: so, you know, you're isolated here from your friend, if I remember correctly. Um, are you able to talk to anyone or is that just not happening? And if you are able to talk to anyone, what are they saying and what are you saying to them?
1: So I did have this girlfriend, but but she has ended up turning on me too. Like those two are best friends now. Um, so... He has manipulated her against me at this point in, in my life, but she has a baby too with a man that cheated on her and treats her poorly. And I, I mean, from my point of view, I always told her like, you don't deserve that. He, that guy's not welcome in my home. I don't want him around me. And she never said, get out, leave him. Why are you putting up with him? Why it's like he, this? He just always had excuses made for him. Even my so-called best friend encouraged me to stay with someone who just beat me up and who treat me poorly and she makes excuses like well the baby needs her father and i don't think that, like i would go to her like "I'm cheating. she just didn't want anyone to have a better life that was in the same situation as her you know she didn't want me to be doing better than her or you know so she's like well it's just really selfish. Who says those kinds of things? Who encourages you to stay with someone who abuses you?
0: So, you know, at this point you are, you know, in this relationship with them, you're you're pregnant at this point, and do you start getting abused while you're pregnant? Um, you
1: know, There were a couple of times physically, yeah. Like he would shove me to the ground or shove me out of his way. Um, But it was mostly mentally and emotionally at this point. Um, We finally, I finally just cracked on a house. You know, we got this little disgust. It was like 650 square feet house. There was nowhere for a nursery I mean, there wasn't even anywhere for us to have a room. Really. Um, it was in really bad neighborhood, you know, high crime, just gross. Um, and I just, I had started starting my new job, you know, I'm like three months pregnant. Like I got, I just, I gotta get Like I just cracked. And so I couldn't take staying in his parents anymore because I was hiding the fact that I was pregnant. um, I would live in their basement and literally just go down there and hide. Here I am. Every, I had really bad morning sickness that lasted all day. I would puke all day, like right in his parents' basement. I was hiding it from my parents. You know, I got pregnant in April and I didn't tell my parents until the 4th of July. And here I am by myself trying to process the fact that I'm pregnant and I don't have any money. I don't have a home. And... And he would treat me like shit, and he would just disappear. And I had no idea who he was with and what he was doing. So I just finally cracked and we got this little tiny house. And because I was like, if we do this, we're not going to survive. So I got this house, and it was gross. You know, there was mice in there. I'm talking families of mice. I, I'm just sitting on the couch and. This little family of mice—they don't even know I'm there. They're just running back and forth, scurrying back and forth, inside out. Bats flying in there. I'm—I'm I'm five months pregnant, and there's a bat flying through there. And you know, I remember—I'm not even exaggerating—seventeen wasps when we moved in, I killed seventeen of them. And just bugs constantly. You know, cops are always in the neighborhood. You can hear shootings. It's just—it's. Bad. The raccoons are in our trash. Um, I felt like I was living in Jumanji, pregnant Jumanji. Like, it was bad. And I'm just thinking to myself, it's gross. I'm pregnant. I don't feel good. This house is gross. I'm depressed. I hate myself. You know, and he just made fun of me all the time. And so I went home a lot still. Like when I wasn't working, because at that time, I think I only worked like four and a half days during the week. So I would go home from Friday afternoon until Sunday night. And I would stay with my parents because I just, I was so lonely and he was never home. So I'm like five, six, seven months pregnant alone in a creepy house, in a creepy neighborhood. And I, I, I was just miserable. I was so miserable and I just felt helpless. I couldn't escape, so I just went home a lot. And he he just wouldn't answer me. He was never there. I just remember this one time in particular. We were supposed to meet in the city that I used to live in. Halfway, um, we we're going to go to a volleyball game, and I was probably seven months pregnant. So I had the tickets, and I was going to meet him there, and. I'm like, all right, I'm on the way there. I'll meet you there. No response, no response, nothing. Um, and he doesn't respond to me. And here I am, you know, fat as hell pregnant, sitting at a volleyball game all by myself. And so after that, I go home back to our little house. And he comes rolling in at like 2 a.m., 3 a.m., just drunk, always drunk, Oh, sorry, this, sorry, that. And there was one other time that he did that to me, too. I was supposed to meet him somewhere, and he just ghosted me stopped talking. And then I get a Snapchat from my cousin of him at the bar with all of his friends.
0: So he's living a full bachelor life. You're, you're at home uh, you're working. Is he working? Like who's footing the bill? Has he kind of started here at least to, to pay his half or no?
1: Yeah, he has. Um, but here's the thing. Everything that we did, like, you know, the electric bill, the Wi-Fi bill, um, it was all in my name. So he had this job, but if he didn't pay me, then I had to pay for all of it because it was in my name, it was in my responsibility. So he never did anything that would make him be held accountable at the end of the day. So, you know, there were nights where we were living in that little itty bitty gross house and it would be 4 a.m. and he would come home and I'd be in bed, you know, really pregnant, and he'd throw up all over me. Or he would pee the bed. Um or I just lost all my money at the at the casino. That's what he would always say to me at the casino. And I just looking back, like I know that he was probably out there cheating on me. Like he would go out all hours in the night and then come home the next day and kiss me and have sex with me. Like I'm seven months pregnant. I just it's unfathomable to me what kind of person to actually do that so you know at this point i'm like miserable because i know he's doing stuff i know that he's just not being a good boyfriend and i just remember i was so depressed about the baby like i didn't i don't didn't even really want it at the time it sounds so terrible now but i was like i i was so convinced that i was like i can't have this baby I'm going to be a terrible mom. Like he was just so convinced, had me so convinced that I was such a piece of trash that I was going to be a terrible mother. I'm like, I don't do anything. I don't cook. I don't clean. I don't decorate the house. I sit on the couch all day. I'm going to be a terrible mom. That's what I used to tell myself. So, you know, I just remember we had a a gender reveal and I mean, all our friends and family came. There was probably over 75 people there that came to this gender reveal and I just remember thinking like look at all these people that support me and support us and support my child like I was excited and then just remember maybe like a week or two later we went to an appointment and I got to see her on the you know and hear her heartbeat and I was excited and he just why are you excited why would you be excited and he brought I just remember thinking he brought his mom into the argument it's like you don't need to be excited you don't even want this baby you don't even like my mom and you and my mom are never gonna get along how are we supposed to have a baby if you don't even get along with my mom like he just his mom is always there like his mom his mom his mom his mom so I just remember that happening
0: so just so I understand a little bit more about what's going on. And this is a lot of my assumption and you can agree with me or disagree with me and everyone out there can agree or disagree with me. But my assumption says that, you know, an educated guess, I'll say, that your ex comes from a narcissistic controlling mother and who knows what her life was like beforehand, but she did make something of her life. And his sister is the golden child. He is the scapegoat. Uh, no one is allowed to pick on him but the mom. Maybe other members of the family, but mostly the mom. And then at the same time, he has inherited a lot of toxic behaviors, but have also created some survival mechanisms throughout his life. But those survival mechanism- mechanisms are also toxic uh, he gets called a liar a lot by his mom, but those lies might have been created initially when he was younger, so he didn't have to uh, feel the wrath of his mom. So he also has learned to lie, which means he's lying to you. It comes easy to him. And that kind of continues. So uh, I guess uh, as well, when he was a child, I am assuming here, everyone, that uh, the reactions to when he screws up makes him believe that he is probably um, uh, well th- that he's probably an actual screw up. He starts to believe these things that his mom is saying to him because his mom isn't actually being helpful. She's just you know berating him. She's not comforting him. She's not giving him any sort of self esteem. He's he's the scapegoat and. Within that process, I'm assuming here that he kind of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy of what he's been told. And in turn, uh, I assume this is why you feel bad for him. And at the same time, when things aren't going his way, you know, the way he's grown up and the things that he's learned, he runs to his mom still to fix everything. Uh, as no matter what it is and that's just kind of like the whole family dynamic and whatever generational trauma is probably going on there it's just getting passed down and manifesting in different ways as it passes through the family tree and now here you are dealing with this generational trauma from a family that's getting passed down dealing with a scapegoat who yes has probably been dealing with this person his whole life and gotten the short end of the stick, but is now not taking responsibility for anything. And when push comes to shove in your situation, he'll always run to his mom to try and fix it. And you don't want to mess with the mom. Do I have it in your mind? Do I have
1: it pretty pegged down? That's 100% true, yes.
0: All right. Sorry for that, everyone. I was just trying to kind of paint a picture for everyone of probably what was going on in that household. Because in in my opinion, your story isn't just a story of your relationship with him. And you can say this about a lot of the podcasts we do. It's not just a relationship that you're in with this person and and it's what happened to them before they even got there. But more so in your story here, uh, because a mom is involved. So it's interesting to really be able to kind of hammer home that this is the dynamic that is going on and really see it for for what it is.
1: Yeah. I mean the narcissistic personality has definitely been passed down, but I think that he was held on that pedestal and then he failed her. So
0: So after the party and in how you're feeling uh, with everything you know with the stuff going on with his mom um, and how his mom is being kind of brought into this situation you're being put down when you're now really excited about having a baby eventually you do have the baby so uh, what uh, happens from there?
1: So we kind of got a big break with the house and something to do with the landlord didn't pay his property taxes for like five or six years. So we got to break the lease and we got out of that. And we ended up getting a bigger place that it was, it was okay. Um, But we moved in and about two weeks later, I had my daughter and, you know, we didn't, it was, I remember the night I had, we were arguing and I was upstairs watching TV And he was downstairs just ignoring me like he always did. He always stonewalled me, always. Like, I would try to talk to him, and he just shut me out. And so I remember my water breaking, and um, I remember coming downstairs, and, you know, he's saying, what are you doing? What do you need? And I looked at him, and I said, I need you to pack your hospital bag. Well, what, what for? Why? And I said, My water just broke. Well, how do you know? I'm like, Because it just broke, you know? And I packed my bag and we it's late and it's like 10 o'clock at night. I have my baby. And then the day after, he, I was still in the hospital because this was right before COVID hit. This is January of 2020. And right the day after she was born, he just leaves the hospital and he says, I'm going home to clean the house. I'm going home to disinfect the entire house and get it ready. And I just remember thinking to myself, like, I, I've been nesting for, like, a month. we have been in this house for two weeks. You know, I've been trying to get everything. Like, what do you have to clean? Like, what is there to do? But I was just like, okay, you know, he's being nice. He's trying to be a good dad, you know. So he disappears for, like, the whole day. I'm in the hospital. You know, this baby's not even day old and he's nowhere to be found. And I just remember the lady coming in, in and out of the hospital room. Um, is the dad here? I need him to, it's not, I think it's a birth certificate or some sort of certificate to say that he's the dad, you know? there's like two or three times she came back in and he was just nowhere to be found. And I just remember texting him knowing I'm still cleaning or would be no answer. And so like, that was weird. And then, you know, we take her home. And um, at this time, he switched the job because he got fired from his old one. Um, I think he got fired in November because he got caught stealing stuff from his job. Like, he was hopping the fence and stealing equipment because him and this other co-worker were going to try and start their own business. Um, so he was stealing their equipment. I'm talking, like, heavy asphalt equipment um so he ended up getting this new job you know it was really good paid well um, they offered everything benefits so um, they gave him like five days off for you know maternity leave paternity leave and so he goes back to work um and you know my parents visited on the weekend and things like that but i felt like I couldn't reach out to his mom. Um, but I just remember like the first couple of days, um, you know, everybody wants to come over and see the baby. And um, There was one day that his, his family came over and his mom was there and his, you know, some of his aunts and his grandma was there and his mom was just, she just going off. She doesn't stop talking, you know, she has to be the center of attention Here we are with Branding Baby Center retention. And I just remember his aunt pulling me into the kitchen. Like, are you okay? What do you need? Do you need anything? And like, I'll never forget her for that. Because she actually asked me if I needed help or what I needed. His mom had never done that in the year and a half that we had been dating at that point. Um, So, you know, it's just weird things like that. And then I just was home for... I, think I was home with her for eight weeks and I, my mom was an hour and a half away. You know, she, she was working. Um, and then I just didn't feel comfortable reaching out to his mom. So he's at work supposedly all day. And then he's supposedly doing snow removal at night too. So here I am at home with a new baby for eight weeks doing it by myself. And she didn't sleep. She would, eat and then I would put her down. She'd sleep for 20 minutes and start crying. And she was the type where she wouldn't sleep unless she was held. So I, I was so sleep deprived. I was just exhausted. He never helped me. He had the mindset of, well, I go to work all day, every day. I'm not coming home to help you take care of her. He never got up at night with me to take care of her. Um, just I, there were times where I didn't even take showers. I didn't even brush my teeth. If I took a shower, she was in the boppy outside of the shower, you know, in her little, bop. like, just things like I can he never help me. And then I just remember, you know, I went back to work because I was working, um, at a, at a clinic, a medical clinic, uh, at this time and. I went back to work full time and I went back for about a day or two, I think. And then that night, you know, I was just, I couldn't take him anymore. Cause I wasn't home sleeping. I was up all day, all night, literally. And you know, my baby was crying. Our baby was crying. And I just woke him up. It was probably two in the morning. And I said, can you please get up and help me? Like, I can't do this. Like, I just, I was begging him at that point. Like, please help me. And he got so pissed off that night um, that he got up out of bed and he went into the kitchen and he started slamming cupboards and throwing dishes and you know just saying, going crazy. His mouth was just running rampant. And here I am, you know, sitting in the chair trying to rock her. She's screaming. I'm crying. Like, it, and I just remember he came, he was on the phone with his dad, he immediately called his parents at two in the morning, called his parents. And then he rips her out of my arms, like I'm holding her and I can just hear him saying all these nasty things about me. So he t- comes and tries to take her from me. So at this point I'm like, forget about it. I'll just do it. And I didn't want, I tried not to but give her to him. And he just ripped her out, puts her in the car seat, and just walks out. So here I am. I was just so exhausted. I had no help and no help, and I just i I pretty much had a breakdown, and I called nine one one that night. And um, I just told them. I said, I need help right now. Um. He just took my baby, and I'm a new mom, and I need help, and he's not helping me. Like, I have the 911 records, and that's exactly what I said. It says word for word. He took my baby, and he's not helping me. So they take me to the ER. So I'm transported to the ER, and they say, you know, you you have postpartum. You're postpartum you need to go stay at this mental facility. So they transport me, this is like four or five in the morning, they transport me that next morning by ambulance. I I was so exhausted, like I was not even coherent in that ambulance. I have no idea how long I was in that ambulance, where they took me from one end of the town to the other. I have no idea. I don't know what's going on. I barely even know what I'm doing. Then they check me into this mental facility. I'm checked into a mental facility. Um, about seven in the morning, you know, they take my phone and they put me in this room with nothing, you know, and I'm sitting there like, where's my kid? Why am I in here? Like, let me out of here. Like, I wasn't like screaming or yelling or losing my mind or anything like that. I was just, I was so exhausted. that, And I just remember that the doctor coming in and trying to question me, they were sitting there questioning me and I could not answer their questions because I couldn't stay awake. My body was so exhausted that it just literally shut down. It would be like if you went without one drop of sleep for three months straight, my body just is like, I'm out. So that happened to me. And I just remember my parents came to visit me and then he actually did come in and bring bring my daughter in. I was just really hard um, seeing my daughter while I'm in a mental facility. I'm just begging the nurse, like, can you please let me out of here? And I ended up getting diagnosed with, um, I think it was depression, or uh, postpartum depression. And they let me out the next day. But I remember that he was supposed to come pick me up at noon. And he didn't show up till like one o'clock. So here I am in this mental facility. He come, He's supposed to come pick me up and he's an hour late. Like that is that was just baffling to me. So that was in the middle of March and I went back to work part time. And then he was still working full time. And, you know, at the beginning of May, he, this is when he really started to spiral out of control. So here he is, you know, all of April getting up every day, every morning, going to work. And coming home at the same time every day. Texting me throughout the day. You know, I'm at work. I'm at the warehouse. I'm coming home from work right now. What do you... Like, he's normally going to work. And um, so when all this went down with me leaving him or having no choice but to leave. Or finally, you know, the camels, the straw and the camel's back. I get his work records back and he didn't go to work all of april and all of may so i'm going back through my text messages with him and reading our conversations and he's faking going to work he's getting up every morning before me and coming home at the same time when i'm coming home so here i am every morning getting up getting ready getting our daughter ready taking her to daycare here he is going to work, coming home. And I'm picking her up. I'm doing everything with her. I'm the one doing it. And he's faking having a job. And I'm just looking back like, what were you doing? It just, It I think that might be the most mind-blowing thing that he has ever done in the entire two years that we were together. He just faked a, a job. He was living like a double life. I mean, he was already doing that that he was going getting up and going to work and coming home from work that he wasn't and he got fired because he just stopped showing up. So that right there just baffled me. And then you know, so I still can't believe that to this day when I, when I tell that story, I just I my mind is absolutely blown. So then you know this friend that that girlfriend that I had that encouraged me to stay with him, you know, she, her daughter turns one in May at the end of May. So, you know, I'm confiding in her in the beginning of May and April, you know, I think he's cheating on me. Like, I really think that he's cheating on me. Like, I never really thought that he physically would go out and cheat on me, but I knew that he was doing it online. But I just had this inkling, like, I think he's cheating on me. So I was telling her that. And then at the end of May, her daughter had her first birthday party. So we were invited to that. And so I remember getting up and um, going to that. But it was crazy because the night before that party, um, he went out. I remember sitting in the chair with with my baby at, like, midnight and he was like I'm going to my friend's house to smoke and hang out I'm like looking at the clock looking at my baby and I'm like are you serious like I've had it with you doing this you're never home and I was pissed and so he leaves and then he comes back at like 4 a.m. and I'm calling him you know like where are you what are you doing no answer nothing and he comes back and he goes, I lost my phone. I can't find my phone. So here I am following morning, searching the couch, looking outside, searching his car, looking in the yard. He's like, I was smoking out here with the neighbor. It might be in his truck. He delivers for DoorDash, making up excuses. So that happened. And then him and his sister track each other on an app. And I text her. I said, hey, can you send me his location? And she sends it to me, and it pings in this random neighborhood, and I think nothing of it, right? Nothing. He's like, "Oh, it might be in the neighbor's truck because he delivers doorDash." So that happens. So the very next day, um, I'm like, "We're going to the we're going to this birthday party, my friend's kid's birthday party. We're going." He's like, "Okay, well, I'm gonna wait here for my for the neighbor to get home so I can get his phone, and I'll meet you there." So I'm like, "Okay." So I take my daughter, and we go to this birthday party. And maybe like three or four hours passed by and, you know, I'm not hearing from him cause he doesn't have his phone. So I'm like, that's fine. So he finally texts me, Hey, I got my phone back. I'm like, okay, here's the address. So he comes and sits down next to me and, and the baby fine. Everything's fine. You know, we're putting on a good face cause we're in public. Like we always do. And then, so that happens. And then, Um, everything was okay we came home you know normal and then the whole George Floyd thing happened you know and then the, the Black Lives Matter all those riots broke out and so I just I posted a post on Facebook it was pictures of him and us and you know and this post weeded this girl out and she messaged me and said hey um I hooked up with your boyfriend last week we We tried to have sex on Saturday night. It didn't work because my kid woke up and he came back on Sunday and we ended up hooking up. And, you know, I just, that's one thing for me that I just don't do is the loyalty thing. Like, if you do that to me, I I can't, you can't take it back and I'm done. So my world was just, it was shattered. I just, I was sick, you know. Um and then, you know, I kicked him out for like a week. I said, I need time to process this. Like, you gotta go. And um, you know, he didn't admit it, didn't admit it, and then finally he admitted it. But he like didn't ever say, I'm sorry. He didn't ever act sorry. Like, and there were times where he would sneak in and out of the house when I was asleep and just do weird things and just stuff like he just never respected my wishes and he's just lying and manipulating. And then he finally admitted, and you know, yeah, I did. I did hook up with that girl, but she told me that, um, he told her that I'm a lazy baby mama that only works part time and that that we don't live together and that we're not together and that he takes care of our child and that I don't do anything and that he has his own house and takes care of it and pays all the bills. So here he is, no job, faking a job and running around with women while I'm at home taking care of a brand new baby. All during, you know, I just had a mental breakdown It was crazy. I can't even put it into my brain. Can't comprehend it. Yeah. So I find that out on like a Sunday and I kick him out for the week. And then, you know, that Friday night I had to go back home for a bridal shower. Um, One of my good family friends was going to get married and she was having a bridal shower. And, you know, at that point I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I didn't know if if I should try to stay and work it out or if I should just leave. So I didn't really pack anything, you know, just the necessary essentials for the weekend. And so I went home and I didn't really hear from him all week at all. You know, he, there was never, I'm sorry, let's fix this. I love you. Let's fix like nothing, no remorse, none. And, um, Sunday night rolled around. I was supposed to go back because I had to work Monday. And I just told him, I said, you know, I'm not going to come back tonight. Like, I just, I need time to process this and, you know, get my mind out straight. And him and his mother lost their minds. They got into the car and drove an hour and a half to my parents' house to try to take the baby. And, you know, my mom was talking to his mom, just saying, like, I I think that we should just all calm down and let this, you know, just just dwindle a little bit because it's just so new. And mom's like, I don't think that you should come to our house. And his mom said something to my mom, like, what are you going to do, shoot me? And she, I, my dad went out there first and she just laid into my dad, just ripped him out. And then, you know, I went out there to try to talk to her and she wouldn't let me speak at all. And then she did some disrespectful move to me, like with her hands, like putting them into like, close your lips and like, eh, eh, like be quiet. And I just shut the door in her face. So that happened and then so they ended up leaving. So I end up you know thinking I can't do this I can't go back to him I'm not going to do that I have to set an example for my child you know and I'm not going to go back to somebody who treats me the way he's treating me and just cheated on me. so I try and go and get some of my things and he's there and um, you know I brought a friend with me because I was scared and he tries to fight my friend. He tries to get into a physical fight with my friend and he won't let me get my things. Um, but when I get there, all of my daughter's stuff was totally missing. Gone. Couldn't find any of it. No clothes, no bottles, nothing. Couldn't find any of her stuff. So We ended up just leaving and just we just left and he sends his sister over to like record us and just crazy stuff like that. He immediately calls his mom. Um so that happened and then, you know, I just I ended up filing for custody in my hometown and then he ended up filing for custody in the town we lived in and then it just it
0: was all bad from there. Um. So court wasn't a great experience for you, but you did end up getting 5050 custody. And how is your relationship like going forward with him? like do you talk to him? Uh, or are you guys not talking? Do you guys use an app and how has it been? and how has your life been uh, since you've been separated?
1: Like, he doesn't care about taking care of her. Like, when I get her back and stuff, like, her nails are dirty, her hair is a rotten mess, she's a mess. He just, he doesn't take care of her. And I'm just afraid that he's going to abuse her because he abused me, too.
0: And that's a big worry uh, for you and for a lot of people that are going through this because it's just it's a difficult thing to have to give 50-50 custody to someone who uh, was abusive, is abusive. You know that that goes on in their household for, for generations. And it's a hard thing to do to have to give uh, a child over to someone who is... Like that. And, you know, the court system is not perfect. It needs to be fixed in a lot of ways. I, I, I'm i sure you would love to have 100% custody of your child, but in a lot of these cases, it's 50-50. And I know that people are trying to get laws changed as far as domestic violence goes. If someone has been uh, the victim of domestic violence... You know why should your child have to go to that person? So it's something I really feel for you in in, in this occasion and for everyone who who, who goes through this. So uh, I, I'm really sorry about that. And for I guess you right now, how are you doing? And how is your healing process
1: gone? Um, I mean. I am still healing because I'm still going through the trauma. Um, But as far as like getting my life back, I accomplished more in the last year than I did in the two years prior of being with him. You know, I got my career back. Um, I am a golfer. I got my golf game back. I started modeling again. Um, I became part of groups to help people against narcissists and abuse, and that kind of thing. Um, you know, I I've been in magazines. I mean, it's just it's crazy how much I have turned my life around. Even still, with the odds against me, with him still treating me absolutely terrible and having the pain of my daughter not here with me a whole week at a time for the last year and a half and still accepting that that's probably going to be my reality um i still have trouble you know like with anxiety and stuff like that because he is a trigger for me every time that we do exchanges i you know my heart races and I get nervous and I'm scared because I have to face my abuser once a week, you know. But overall, um, I think I've bounced back pretty well. I'm a lot better without him.
0: And if you had any words of wisdom or advice for others going through it, what would you say to them?
1: Um, I would just say don't listen to them. Um, the way they treat you is how they actually feel about themselves. And the reason why they chose you is because you're special and they actually see that in you. And they're just the parasite trying to suck that life out of you and, and that you're not crazy. You're not crazy and that you're worth it.
0: Well, Daphne, I want to thank you for being here with us today and sharing your story. You did a great job and I can help a lot of people. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: And for those of you that want to be a guest on our show, like Daphne was today, please do go to NarcissistApocalypse.com. And at the top of the page, there's a button there that says guest form. And when you click on that button, it takes you to our guest form page. And on that guest form page, we have lots of instructions. Please read those instructions and send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at com, or send it through our guest forum page. And we can never have enough stories, so please send in your stories. Everyone's story is worth it to put on the show. You might not think. Sometimes you're like, oh, a lot of the stories on the show... They're you know uh, at another level, but you know abuse is abuse. Subtle abuse is abuse. All of everyone's story is useful to someone out there, and you you might not think that your story may do something, but everybody's story has value to it, and you know if it just changes one person's life, then you did an amazing thing by sharing your story on our podcast. So please, everyone out there, send in your stories. So that's my my word on that one. And then as far as support goes... You know, if you need support, we do have our own support forum. It's our own private social network, which can be found at NarcissistApocalypse.com. And you go to the top of the page and there's a button that's there that says support group. And you click on that button and it takes you to our social network. And on our social network, we have our own forum boards. We have our support groups on Zoom every Wednesday night and Saturday night. And every other Thursday afternoon and those groups, we have a great group of people in there and I just want to say hi to all of them and you know, that's, it's a great crew of people that are there. They're there to help you as well. And you listen to them. It's all a circular thing. Everyone helps each other. So please do go. Oh, there's more stuff on there. I almost forgot. We have episodes that never never made it to air. We have uh, episodes uh, that are ad-free as well. And if you just want to support our show, just sign up to our support group. So anyway, go to NarcissistApocalypse.com, top of the page, press that support group button, and we will see you there. And if you need even more support, You can go to DomesticShelters.org. So if you or someone you know are experiencing abuse, you are not alone. DomesticShelters.org offers an extensive library of articles and resources that can help you make sense of what you're experiencing, and they can connect you with local resources and find ways for you to heal and move forward. So please do go to DomesticShelters.org to access this free resource today. And also, everyone, a friend of mine has a wonderful new cookie company and I'll tell you why because it's an actual cookie where you can pull out it's kind of like a fortune cookie but it's a real cookie it's done in a really neat way where you can pull out what looks like a fortune but they're just wonderful messages it's for uh, it's like self-affirmations and it's not just for you you can get a batch just for your kids so kids can have a cookie healthy cookies nice cookies all different types of cookies And when you pull it out, there's these nice messages for self-esteem, self-worth, self-everything. And it's a wonderful company called Be Loved, and you can reach them at B-L-O-V-D dot C-A. It's a fantastic cookie. It tastes delicious. I've had them before, and the messages are wonderful. It's, It's eating a cookie, feeling good about eating the cookie, and then feeling good about what you're eating. So please, you know, if you want to support the show... Uh, go to B-L-O-V-D dot love dot C-A. And uh, that's it from, you know, thank you. A big thank you again to Daphne for being a guest on our show. And so from from Daphne and myself, we hope you have a good night.